We're continuing in our study of the London Baptist Confession and our current section, the grander section, is God-centered living, the freedom and boundaries of the Christian life. And our specific focus here is in chapter 22 where we've now reached part 5 of chapter 22 where we're talking about religious worship and most specifically today, the Sabbath day, the uh, concluding section of the confession here in chapter 22. Uh, So we're looking at chapter 22, paragraph 8 today. And if you'll recall where we've come from, um, we've, the chapter has laid out the manner of worship, the object of worship, the place of worship, the elements of worship. And last week, it detailed the time of worship, the time of worship of the Sabbath day, the Christian Sabbath. Well, today it details, and we're going to look at, the observance of Sabbath worship. So it laid out the doctrine of the Christian Sabbath last week uh, in paragraph 7. And today it lays out the practice of it. Right? So the truth of it, how we observe it. The doctrine, the practice. And that's where we're at today. So to review what we considered last week, we talked about the time of worship. Uh, We saw that bodily rest from work, the labors of life, and spiritual rest in worship is both exemplified by God in creation and commanded by God. And that this truth is part of general revelation seen in nature. We all need rest. Our bodies wear out. We need sacred space, as it were. But it's also revealed in special revelation, which is God's word. He instructs us to take regular rest. We saw last week how God defines that period of rest, um, that work-rest-worship balance, as one day in seven. This is the pattern of the Christian life. One day in seven. Not one day a month, not one day a quarter, not one day a year, or whatever else you might specify, but the regular pattern is one day in seven. We considered that Saturday was the Sabbath under and according to the administration of the Old Covenant law. But also that Sunday, now, is the Sabbath, the Christian Sabbath according to the Lord Jesus Christ and the, its administration under the gospel. In the New Testament, this is called the Lord's Day, Revelation 1.10. So, in the New Testament, following this last idea, in the New Testament, there is a repeated emphasis on the first day of the week. And when we read the New Testament, we see that the early church observed what we might call Sabbath activities on the first day of the week. Um, They gathered in worship. And there's this emphasis to point out that they did so on the first day of the week. This corresponds to the Old Testament idea of the Sabbath, which was the day was to be a holy convocation. It It was distorted and abused in Israel, but ultimately the Sabbath day in Israel was a coming together of God's people in a holy convocation, worship, 
We see also the New Testament church setting aside legitimately worldly employments and distractions for the purposes of worship. Again, we see them practicing Old Testament Sabbath activities on the first day of the week. The New Testament is very clear to point that out. Um, We also see that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was on the first day of the week. That it is spoken of as Christ entering his rest, sitting down to reign, which gives the, uh, the, the old covenant uh, seventh day perspective of Christ completing the work of the second Adam, fulfilling the covenant of works and resting. Thus, we see that the first day of the week is both theologically and practically connected to the fourth commandment. Implicitly and explicitly. We don't need a you know, new law, thou shalt obey the, the Christian Sabbath. Because when we read scripture, understanding its theological context, understanding the means by which God uh, seeks to teach us, um, uh, reveal himself, um, theologically and practically, it is connected and we must pay attention to what it says for us. So, that's the theology. And we're going to turn to what this looks like in practice. But, of course, um, let me ask you, are there, any, are there any questions on any of what I just recapped or what we discussed last week regarding the theology of the Sabbath? Everybody clear? No questions. We're good. Okay. Yes. Yes. Key, he was breaking the tradition. 
man's law interpretation of the Sabbath, and he was revealing his true purpose, which is what I'm going to argue, it's a gift. And you're using this to say, make this list of rules where even hungry disciples can't, you know, glean a little bit from the edges of the fields in order to fill the belly because your, your, your legalism and your, your restrictions, you're using what is the Lord's. I am the Lord of Sabbath, but I've given as a gift to man. That's a good point. Louis? Yeah, in a sense, uh, doesn't that kind of uh, open up the door for the positive moral aspect of that? Because the, usually the arguments go back and forth where um, you can't read it just as black and white. You actually have to have a positive law or command behind it for the words of the So when he says that, I am the Lord of Sabbath, it's essentially saying, hey, guess what? I'm about to tell you what is now going to take place or what is now going to Yes, that's really good. And I think what's important about that statement, too, is the fact that, at least how I would frame it, I don't believe that the Old Testament Sabbath just comes over and applies to us in New Testament. I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ takes the Old Testament Sabbath and reissues it under through and through the understanding of his person and work in the New Covenant context. And I think that's key because of the distinction between positive law and moral law, but also so that we see that Sabbath observance is not the same as the Old Covenant observance. And, and you know, I, I, some, uh, some Reformed people will get really uncomfortable with me saying that, but that's, that's what I believe. I, I, I believe the Scriptures present Christ as reissuing the command or the fourth commandment in light of his person and work and you know the old testament imagery and what it meant to communicate in israel has is gone because christ fulfilled it um that doesn't mean that the command itself is gone we just receive it at the hand of christ and trust me when i say there's no command of god that you want to receive at the hand of moses as opposed to the hand of christ right no matter what it is. And the same is true from the Sabbath. We receive that from the hand of Christ when he says, take my yoke upon you. My, you know, um, my, the, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Uh, this, I am giving this to you for your good and in light of the fulfillment um, that I have brought in my personal work. So, without a doubt, that's a key aspect. Melanie? Amen. And, and he's our Sabbath as well. Now, that, don't take that to mean he's our Sabbath, therefore I have no Sabbath. But in the truest sense, he is. Because he is our rest, he is our accomplishment of that, he is our focus of our Sabbath. And of course, without him, we can't obey the Sabbath just like we can't obey any other commandment. Um, and if God were to judge you on your perfect Sabbath keeping, it's like if he were to judge you on the, your perfect obedience of the fifth or the sixth or the seventh commandment, you got no hope. So Christ being the focus absolutely is key. And I think this helps us avoid 
some of the extremes and some of the legalism that we can easily fall into regarding this day. So let's break this down then. Um, oh yeah, let, let me just remind you, if you want more of a fuller treatment, I, I, I did preach on this, on the fourth commandment, and you can find it on sermon audio, just want to remind you of that, because there's a lot of things I cover in this sermon that I don't have time to cover now. So if you have more questions, that's one resource. But let's read paragraph 8 of our confession, chapter 22. The Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but are also taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. I'm going to break this down phrase by phrase. There's a lot of misunderstanding about some of the things that are said here. Um, and misunderstanding often comes because it's easy to read this in the year 2023 and not kind of take pains to understand why did they use this language and what do they mean by it in 1677. So, the Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord. This is the starting point of Sabbath observance. This directs us upward and Godward. We keep it holy unto the Lord. It's what Melanie was just emphasizing a minute ago. It is Christ-centered. That is our focus. That is our endeavor. That is our love. To keep our eyes on Christ and to endeavor to walk in obedience to this commandment and His Word for His sake and for His name. So, as I mentioned earlier as well in the Q&A, There's only two things in the New Testament that are specifically said to be the Lord's. The Lord's table and the Lord's day. And in this sense, it is His day. It is His special possession. So we observe it and we worship in in honor of Him. Of course, if you're familiar with our service and our understanding of the Lord's Supper... The Lord's Supper, because it is His Supper, He guards it with a holy jealousy. It is the table of the Lord. It's not your table. It's not my table. And there are parameters. There are um, restrictions. There are commandments um, around guarding the table of the Lord. Well, the same is true of the Sabbath day. It's ultimately not your day it's the lord's day now uh, as we'll see in a minute the sabbath was made for man to give to us but it's still the lord's day and christ claimed ownership to that day when he rose again on the first day of the week conquering sin and death fulfilling the work of the second adam he laid permanent claim to the lord's day as his day so we keep it holy unto him in worship and in acknowledgement and adoration of Him, and that's why we gather on the first day of the week here. We're doing just that, observing it unto the Lord. So, 
Also, this last uh, phrase here I put, the Reformed tradition also holds that it is the Lord's day, but it's also, in a sense, a means of grace for our good and for our growth as Christians. God has given it to us so that we might grow in our love and our faith in our walk in honor of the Lord. So that's where the confession starts. It's to be kept unto the Lord. It's kept holy unto the Lord when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering their common affairs aforehand. So the Sabbath, in this sense, the confession is saying, it requires preparation. We are to plan ahead our observance of the Lord's day. So this hits on the Old Testament idea of remember. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it in mind. Keep it in heart. Right? Keep it on the forefront of your thoughts in that sense. Remember and, 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 and remembering entails preparing ahead of time. Uh, the confession says first, prepare our hearts. We prepare our hearts for the Lord's Day. What does that look like? Well, pray beforehand. Pray Saturday night. Pray when you wake up on Sunday morning. That the, that the Lord's Day, that you would honor the Lord's Day. That, that the Lord's Day would be profitable to you and God's people. Pray for the church. Pray for the leaders in the church. Right? Uh, read or meditate on Scripture. Prepare your heart. Don't just walk in here, you know, uh, and I know that's our tendency, and <laughs> um, I'm not claiming in any sense perfection in this, in, in this respect, but how often, of a, uh, how often do we, um, well, maybe now that I'm older, not so much, but stay out late Saturday night. Um, and, <laughs> and my daughter worked till midnight last night. Chris, I know you worked late as well. Um, we stay out so late Saturday night and we, and, we, and we just crash and we set the alarm for as late as we can and we get up and we just rush out the door grabbing our coffee and we show up at church and it's not until you're actually sitting right here do you actually take a breath and think about okay, why, why am I here again? I, I know why I'm here but you know, by God's grace the confession is the confession is imploring us that by God's grace, prepare your heart so that you might not only honor this day unto the Lord, but benefit from it. And that looks different for everyone, and that looks different week to week. Sometimes we do get in late. Sometimes we, we, we do oversleep. Sometimes everything bad happens on Sunday morning, and it's impossible to get out the door. But, but make this your endeavor. Make this your desire uh, to prepare beforehand your heart for the worship of God and the honoring of this day. Kim? Yeah, I was just thinking sometimes it can be looked at as, oh, okay, one more thing I gotta check off and do. Uh, okay, I'll try to do better at that. But when I hear those things, I think of the process of marinating, you know, the right steak or some marinating some chicken. And if you didn't do it, it still sustains you. Marinating and preparing your heart and getting ready for this. And 
Yeah, that's really good. No matter what it is in life, whether we're talking about a project, we're talking about an exam, whether we're talking about a meal, preparing beforehand is important to properly benefiting, to properly fulfilling the response, our responsibilities. And so hear this as me saying to you, um, do you want the blessing of the Lord's day? Um, which I hope that you do. And if you want the blessing of the Lord's day, uh, prepare beforehand. You will not be disappointed. Jason. Maybe it's just pragmatic, but it seems like that would be a good case for Sabbath beginning at sundown on Saturday and then into the night and then you get ready for your Monday. But my, yeah. that has no substance to it. Yeah. But does anyone actually try to use that? Or do we... Yeah, I mean, that's what the Jews did. And typically, um, at least the Puritans tended to follow that example. That it started, but, but they lived in a different culture. Like, you didn't have electricity. So, of course, they began their Sabbath at sundown because that's when you went to bed anyway. Um, but yeah, I think there's validity to that in the sense of like, it starts on Saturday night and uh, Sunday, more, uh, Sunday evening a lot of times does require us to at least mentally prepare for Monday morning. If not, making kids lunches, if they're going to school, setting out your clothes, getting kids ready for work. Um, I think there's some validity to that. Why the change and now midnight? Is that just, that's modern, that's not a primary thing that's contextual for that time? Yeah, 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 yeah. Charity? Um, if you don't, That's a difficult question to answer. I think it, it, if you don't prepare ever, is it sin or unwise? It's certainly unwise. And I think the situation might differ from person to person. Um, but again, when we talk about how do we prepare, it, it, you know, there's a lot of things that can fall under that. I mean, even taking 10 minutes to, or, or even five minutes to just read and pray on Sunday morning is in a sense preparing. Maybe not as much as you'd like to do, or maybe you should do, but like any sort of pre preparing on your, you know, praying on your way here is a way of preparing. Maybe you should do more, but that's better than nothing. So I think it depends on what that looks like. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. If you have no desire to prepare, not only will you probably not benefit ultimately or you certainly won't benefit as, as well as you could or should from, from the Lord's Day, uh, but it could reflect a heart of indifference um, altogether, not only to the Sabbath day, but to the means of grace in general, to the gospel. Dick? So I've been in a number of churches that take this principle to a legalistic method. Extreme. that pattern of bringing a repetitive 
Yeah, and I think that's good. I don't, I would agree in the sense that maybe it can be taken to legalistic extreme, but to, to gather a few men and to pray ahead of time, me and Kim Brinkley gathered in my office to pray this morning before, you know, um, services. That, that's a very wise and good thing to do, and a lot of churches do that. Uh, obviously, it could be taken to extremes. Mark? Yeah, and that's what that's what the next point is. Yep. 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 So remember, on the the confession, it says preparing their hearts. So that's internally, but also preparing and ordering their common affairs beforehand. And so we prepare inwardly, but there's also uh, preparing our hearts for a holy day of worship. But there's also an ordering of our common affairs, which is preparing outwardly. Um, clearing our schedule, preparing clothes, cars, grocery shopping ahead of time. So this is inward and outward, spiritual and physical. And, and you know, in a most basic sense, like it, this might be like <laughs> making sure, like if you're Sam and you drive 45 minutes making sure that your car is gassed up and ready to go. Um, so there's one less distraction, you know? Um, ordering our common affairs, whether that is also vocation and work as well. Like there's something I really, really need to do. Well, okay, let me take care of it on the, that has related to the house or the home or the car or your calling, your work. Well, let me do that on Saturday so that I can give myself and not worry about those things on Sunday. Again, it takes some forethought here, some preparation. Sam? Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, remember that the modern day weekend is modern. <laughs> um, Saturday and Sunday, because, you know, the, the Jews take Saturday and Christians on Sunday. That's, the, that's how we have our five-day work week, right? Um, but the Puritans, and not just the Puritans, but in general, Christian history recognizes that implicit in the command to rest one day in seven is the command to work six days of seven. And so if we are lazy on Saturday and don't do anything and kind of just stumble and bumble into Sunday and all of a sudden have things that we could have or should have taken care of on Saturday, uh, that is a, also a failure in 
two respects. To work six days, but also to rest on Sunday. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So there's an inward and there's outward um, preparing. Um, let's continue on this. We order our common affairs beforehand. Do not only observe a holy rest all day from their works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employment and recreations. Before we go on, I'm going to explain what these highlighted phrases mean. Um, I want to emphasize that this is not inactivity. This is not passive. That's pharisaical. So we're observing a rest all day from works, words, thoughts, employment, and recreations. But this is directed activity would be a better way of putting it. Okay, so we are to set aside common, everyday, worldly necessities to thus direct our activity toward spiritual necessities. See what I mean in that sense? That it's kind of implicit in, in preparing beforehand. That requires activity. That's not passive. We, are, we endeavor to direct our activity toward spiritual necessities. Rest, in a sense, doesn't just equal physical rest. The rest of the confession is speaking of, the rest of the scriptures is speaking of, is a rest that is primarily spiritual. Think about just the phrase, like, I rest in Christ. Okay, you're not talking about that you... You know, you take a seat or you take a nap. Resting Christ is a metaphor we, we use to speak of how we direct our hearts, our trust, our love toward the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think one of the errors of the Pharisees and of the Old Testament Jews in this commandment was they strictly saw it as physical, physical rest and everything around it revolved around that so that you can actually not obey the commandment by not basically doing anything because it's entirely passive rather than an active obedience of the commandment so that's what the confession is hitting on not an activity but directed activity and it speaks of a holy rest from our works which is really emphasizing our physical rest aspect of it. Our words and thoughts, this is a spiritual rest of the heart. Right? We take a, a rest from our words and thoughts. That's again just emphasizing the fact that, that you know, this is the Lord's day and it's not my day um, and I am to prepare my heart in that sense. I'm to direct it towards Him and not toward whatever it is that I want to think or talk about, ultimately. Um, it's just a, a submission of our words and thoughts, a rest of the heart toward spiritual things. Worldly employment. Now, worldly here does not mean sinful. It means routine. It means everyday. We rest from our everyday vocation. And the common task of everyday life. 
So we work, we rest from our works, which is just a general uh, statement of our uh, that, that is for our, our physical bodies as well. Uh, we direct our words and thoughts towards the Lord. Uh, we rest from everyday endeavors that we might need or that we do in order to make a living, um, in order to further our careers. Yes, Courtney. That's really good. In fact, the, the illustration that, that James Renahan shares in his book is the difference between um, fixing a flat tire or rotating your tires. He's like, you know, you got to fix flat on Sunday. That's legitimate. Whether to drive to church or to drive to work the next morning, fix your flat. But do you need to rotate your tires on Sunday? I mean, that's something that can wait for another day. Kim? Yeah, I really like Absolutely. Yes, Rachel. of necessity and works of whatever <laughs> and forget <laughs> I say this all the time the confession goes there so we're going to get to that in just a minute but that's really key as being a housewife is making that distinction what needs to be done what has to be done and what can wait for another time charity
Yeah, so maybe they can help their mom. <laughs> yes. Uh, are my kids listening? Uh, <laughs> um, here, though, we get to the controversial state, uh, statement, recreation. So, again, going back here, we rest from worldly employment and recreations. Now, it is one of the most controversial statements in the confession, or I put the most, at least on this chapter, the most controversial regarding uh, chapter 22. Um, what is the confession forbidding when it speaks of recreation? That we are to rest from recreation. Um, is this like the Pharisees limiting how many steps that we can take on the Sabbath? Uh, what about children who physically need to get their energy out, especially if they've been sitting in church all day, all morning? What do you think? And actually, we don't have much time to ask what do you think, but Ethan? Um, I was thinking, like, what about lifting weights or going out for one? Yeah. Um, like, can you do that on Sunday? I mean, I even see don't lift weights on Sundays. Because, like, is that taking a break from a week of lifting or running or? It's a great question. That's a great question. I, I know. But... Sam? I agree with that, and that is key, important, um, and that's also where matters of Christian liberty come in. But also, but also, I want to emphasize. Well, Chandler first. Yes. Absolutely. There is, yes. The heart is important. Communal aspect is important. Christian liberty is important. Eileen?
Yep. Yep. Yeah. Those are legitimate questions, and I think that in this church, we have people who differ on that question. So, um, I, Matthew, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. I agree with everything that was said. But we need to start with what Matthew said. How do the Puritans understand what recreation is? How do they understand this term? Do they mean, did they mean what we mean today? Well, this is a picture. I don't know if you can see it. I put some arrows down here at the bottom. Um... This, the caption says, Keeping Sunday according to King James's Book of Sports. And you see here the Puritan with, I don't know, worldly wise men, <laughs> Vanity Fair. And the, the, the book, the, the, this, this picture is a contrast regarding, depicting the, 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 the tension of that day surrounding King James and his book of sports. And this is the context in which the Puritans are using the word recreation. What does this mean? Well, the book of sports, King James, and then King Charles after him, perceived that people were unhappy because of the Puritan restrictions on the Sabbath. And so they created this, wrote this book of sports, and they ordered it to be read in the churches. And it listed a number of things that were permissible on Sunday. And basically, we're talking a lot like a county fair um, and in organized sports, uh, even including things like bear baiting, <laughs> you know, uh, wrestling, bear wrestling, and feats of strength, and different things like that. And, and King James and Charles are saying, we don't want the Puritans restricting people of what they can do. This comes from the king, which is another reason why you never want a mixture of church and state. You don't want the king telling the church what to do. That's what he tried to do. But, uh, so you've got to read this so that people know that they can do these things on Sunday. So many organized sports were listed there, and people were encouraged to participate in them. So the phrase in the confession is a response to this. And it's noteworthy that, that the confession does not list a, give a list of approved activities. That's what the whole book of sports was about. That's what everybody was doing in that day, listing it. The confession doesn't do that, which is huge for Christian liberty. But also, we need to recognize that organized recreation is what's in view here. That's what I'm going to argue. That's what I believe that the framers are getting at. So you want to go out and play, you know, frisbee with your friends uh, or board games, or you want to go for a walk or, or a hike, get out in nature. I think that's within your Christian liberty to do that in the context of everything else we've talked about, honoring the Lord's day, honoring corporate worship, preparing your heart, doing it under the Lord. Sam was talking about that. But I do think in some respect that this does outline and forbid organized sports. So going out and playing catch with your son 
versus, oh, now he's on a baseball team where they have games on Sunday. Charity. Absolutely. Uh, how can you direct your thoughts and your hearts towards the Lord? You can do that, like if you go for a hike, for example, as Sam said, you can use that time to meditate on God's glory and pray. Um, you're playing with your friends. You know, we go to the park here on our picnics, um, and we, they play soccer in a sense. There's fellowship, there's communion, there's, there's joy. Uh, those things can be done to the Lord. It's different when you're playing to win, you know? Um, and it's part of this organized structure where those things you can do any other day of the week. Why not just do them another day of the week, Louis? The king said people weren't happy. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you're, you're right, because the Puritans, I would say, definitely took it too far. Um, uh, and don't shoot me for saying that, but they absolutely did. And um, the, the king was responding to a legitimate problem, but he responded in the wrong way. Jason? How would a family walk this out well if they were doing like a family vacation over a long weekend or at the weekend end? What's that like? It's a great question. Um, well, we endeavor when we're on vacation to find a, a, a faithful church to worship. Um, and um, our day, at least typically, uh, when we take vacation over that day, looks different than the other days of the week. Um, you know, maybe we're, we're going to an amusement park other days. You know, maybe we're going to visit a museum or something. Well, at least for my family, uh, we try to take a legitimate day of rest in that sense um, as, as different than the other days of our vacation. Rachel? Uh-huh. I'm sorry, what was the last part of that? I think, and we're going to have to stop here and pick up, um, but I think that that will be, um, let me get to it here, this, that's where I think the idea of works of necessity come in, and evaluating from our perspective, what is a work of necessity and what can I legitimately leave off another day? I will argue as well that, and this is a discussion for next time, that because the Sabbath is positive and moral, remember that goes back to what we've already covered, I'm not going to explain that now, that I think it's illegitimate to expect unbelievers 
to know and observe Sunday as the Sabbath. Because they don't have the special revelation that details what day that is. So, in some respect, although all men, all people, all culture is a commanded to rest one in seven, I think the Christian Sabbath is an aspect that's given to the church. And for me, um, I hesitate to apply that to an unbeliever. They're not under the new covenant. They're not receiving it from the hand of Christ. They don't have the scriptures. And so it would be like saying, is it a sin that, that, that my unbelieving neighbor hasn't been baptized? Well, yeah, ultimately, but not ultimately. Like, we're not, I'm not going to sit down and say, you know, you need to be baptized, otherwise you're breaking God's law. Um, it's different. I, I think you could. I think you could encourage them in some uh, cases, yes, to disregard if, if, um, the Lord's Day. And what I mean by that more specifically is, is worship. You know, like requiring them to work while you go to church, or requiring them to miss church in order to serve you or something. I think that's where that question comes in. But it's not an easy one to answer because we don't. We live in a day and age where the works of necessity. There's so many. There's just so many that it's hard to escape. Whether we're talking about electricity, you know, uh, whether we're talking about gasoline for our vehicles, whether we're talking about food. Sometimes, like we can't prepare beforehand, and we we got to get food. Um, some of those questions are, are really difficult to answer. Uh, but I have to stop, unfortunately, because we're way past time um so not next week not the week after but the week after that we will finish this 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 chapter okay i promise you and uh i'm going to recap all of this so if you have questions write them down now and bring them in three weeks and we'll talk to them then but we need to close in prayer right now let's pray